<laughs> yeah, woo! <laughs> Let's enjoy it, eh? <laughs> yeah, you can be seated. Now, that's CD. And I know it's a different era, <laughs> different sort of singing, but very relevant today because God challenged me. He said, can you hear the rain? And we know the rain speaks of the Holy Spirit. And in that song, it said, the former rain and the latter rain together. I'm not talking about the weather. And it comes from the book of Joel, where God spoke to the people of Israel. And, and they'd been through bad times. They'd, of course, they did the usual thing that they'd backslidden. And, and God had come back in his mercy. And he said, I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to cause the... The, the autumn rain and the spring rain, spring rain to come and they're going to come in the first month and you're going to have an abundance of crops. You're going to have an abundance of, of every good thing. I'm going to bless you. And then he went on to say, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see vision." This is a prophetic word for its time now. And the rain speaks of the Holy Spirit. I, can you hear the rain? God spoke to me. Can you hear the rain, Lorraine? In other words, refocus and look with your vision. And I was always a person who's always had clear vision and, and, been in, and wanted to be in tune of what God was doing. And sometimes if we want to be in tune, we have to listen. We have to listen. We have to tune in. And, and I... When God said that to me, I thought, oh, I don't think I'm as tuned in as I used to be. And so I retuned myself. I refocused. Shu spoke last week on being focused and I refocused and I started to listen to what is God saying to the church today? What is God saying to the in the world today? What is God saying to the church today? What is God saying to us today, to individuals? Because he's always speaking. He's always speaking. We're not in drought. The rain is falling on us because the Holy, Sp Holy Spirit has been poured out. And he was poured out in the, in the book of Acts. And that was the former rain. The former rain in, in um, Acts 2. When I'm speaking, I can never find my spots in the Bible. <laughs> I put little markers in and everything and I still can't find them. But in, <laughs> I get a bit carried away. In Acts 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a, of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. First, there was a sound, a sound of the rain, a sound of the Holy Spirit. Can you hear what God is saying in our midst today, in the world today? There was a sound. And they were filled, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Isn't that amazing? Do you speak in tongues? That's a wonderful gift, you know, to speak in tongues and sometimes we can even get slack in that. We can take it for granted and just, you know, little oh, yeah, yeah, and walk off. But, you know, it's a powerful gift for us. It's God himself. Being, we've been baptised with that. It's a separate 
experience from when we're born again and it empowers us. It empowers us to overcome because he's our comforter. He is our guide. He is our helper. It is God himself sent by Jesus in this world today. And it says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are you not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? And it goes on to list all the different um, areas of language. Uh, and I'll just cut it down. Amazed and... Uh, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. You know, to prophesy is so important because it's speaking the direct word of God. We should all be prophesying. You know, when you come together in your small groups, you know, make time to pray and prophesy over one another. It's, it just builds you up. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious days of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's the promise. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now this is giving us vision. It, was, it happened then and that was the former rain and it's happening now. And, and I was been doing a bit of research on revivals and um, because the outpouring of the Holy Spirit brings revival and we can have that Holy Spirit. We don't need to wait for revival to be revived because we have God with us all of the time. But when there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, when... Um, God does a sovereign work, it brings an amazing thing, amazing things happened. Amazing things happened. And that song that I played, that was from a CD from the Rodney Howard Brown conferences in the 1990s, which I was there, woo! And it was terrific. And, <laughs> and every revival um, seems to usher in different attributes that God, of, of God, of, of himself, and what he's doing. And that, that particular time, it was, it was amazing. It was very joyous. It was a time when, when um, God was pouring out joy and people were becoming stupid in the fact they were like they were drunk in the Holy Ghost because they just couldn't stop laughing. And they were just laughing and laughing and laughing. And we were speaking out in the room out there um, about laughter. Max said something about laughter, how it releases something, endorphins in your brain. And, 
And, um, and so God knows what he's doing. See, people can look on and see people laughing and think, well, that's pretty stupid. What's that? They're supposed to be in church. Why are they laughing? Blah, blah, blah. You know, it releases joy of the Lord is our strength. A merry heart does good like a medicine. And people were just laughing so much that they were falling off their seats onto the floor and rolling around the floor, and that made us all laugh even more. It was hysterical, but it was of the Holy Spirit. It was of the Holy Spirit. And what God was doing, he was shaking all the religious attitudes out of the people at that time, particularly out of the ministers. They were able to be free and stop feeling that they had to um, have an outward appearance of being perfect because otherwise people would judge them. That's what a lot of ministers have, have lived under. And, and it was setting them free and they could be as silly as they like and just be as honest as they like and admit their faults and their weaknesses and know that, you know, God still loved them. God still loved them and they're only the same as everybody else. We've all got faults and weaknesses. And there was a real spirit of liberty came through that particular occasion, that revival, and it was amazing. And we were laughing and laughing and laughing. And there was one particular lady, I think she was on the front row, she was a pastor's wife, she was very prim and proper, known to be very prim and proper, always dressed immaculately, always did the right thing. And God just touched her and she fell on the floor and she started to roll and she rolled backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards across the meeting. Isn't that hysterical? She had no control over it. God was just doing it. And what was he doing? He was just shaking all that you know, that prim and properness, which is really a bondage, isn't it? That you have to be like that. It's a bondage and he was setting her free. And God does some really strange things at times to set us free. He moves in amazing ways. And so we can't question what God is doing. Well, we do question because we say, I mean, I question all the time because I say, look, I want to understand this, so you better explain it to me. So, because <laughs> I like to understand things, but not questioning in, I'm, I'm opposed to it, just I want to understand it. So we need to have the vision of what, is God is, what God is doing. And so I'm just going to just go back a little bit of what God has done in Australia. You know, there's been over 70 revivals in Australia. You know, we're the great south land of the Holy Spirit. And it was on the news just this week that said Australia is the most, um, what did it say, uh, successful countries in the way we have handled our economy. And I thought, gee, that's amazing, a, a positive statement on the news, you know. <laughs> that, that hit me more than anything that was a positive statement. But see, you know, we're a country that's been blessed by God. We have a Christian heritage. And, and we need, we need, because we see things changing and we know the results of changes when people are turning or governments are turning away from the word of God for their principles, that it will bring devastation to our land. But God is bigger. I want to encourage you to believe God is bigger. You know, we had that terrible bomb in Manchester just recently in that concert and all these beautiful young people were, and their mums and dads were, were injured. But what came out of that? Hear what the Spirit is saying. They had a rally and they had banners and they said, we will love and not hate. Wasn't that the Holy Spirit? 
Isn't that the message of Jesus? See, when we tune in, we hear what God is saying. We will love and not, not hate. That had to be God. And then they said, we will not bow down in fear and intimidation. And only in a couple of days later, they had like a, a massive fun run. And I sat in awe of those people. I thought, you were so brave. You are so brave that you would just rise up and have a public rally and, and run and say, we will not be bowed down by fear and intimidation. Because that is the work of the enemy, to put us down under in fear and intimidation. But we have a great God. We have a God who we serve, but who is the God of the impossible? The songs we sang today. God is the God of the impossible. All things are, po- impossible, are possible for God. There's nothing impossible. There's power in his name. There's power in his name as we declare the name of Jesus. He rules and reigns because he's King of kings and Lord of lords. And so as we listen to what is the Spirit saying, he's saying we will love and not hate. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing in a situation where people could have just risen up in hatred, in their despair and grief? They said, we will love and not hate. This is the voice of the Spirit. This is the voice of the Spirit coming across through the world. And so we need to be in tune. You know, in the 1800s, in the middle of the 1800s, the Holy Spirit swept across Australia. I'm just going to read you something that I got from the book Cole Stringer, Cole Stringer's book, um, uh, what's it called? I've got it written. As I said, I can never find anything I've written when I'm speaking. Discovering Australia's Christian Heritage. And I've just written a chapter here, I'll read it out, that came from his book. From the mid-1800s, the Holy Spirit had swept across Australia, bringing revival. In fact, as I have already said, there have been over 70 documented revivals in this nation. Why not? Not After all, this is the land of the Holy Spirit. For instance, a powerful revival in Melbourne during the mid-1800s was preceded by prayer, work and unity. Every house in Melbourne was visited twice. God's people were in earnest. The Holy Spirit was given his way and sway. See, that's important that we give the Holy Spirit his way and sway. I loved it today how we waited. We waited and I felt the presence of the Lord as we were waiting and he was just hovering over us as we were waiting. He likes us to wait on him at times. Um, God's people were in earnest. The Holy Spirit was given his way and sway and believers greet each, greeted each other with, I love this, the big revival has begun. Glory to God. You know, the Jews greet each other and say, peace with, with you and am with you. These people said, the big revival has begun. Glory to God. Is that a great greeting? Isn't that a great greeting? So, and it said, attendances totaled a quarter of a million each week. This would probably be across, you know, in churches. When the population of the whole of Victoria was only one million, a quarter of the state was touched by the revival. It's in the 1800s. We have a wonderful heritage but it's often not been spoken about. But this was in the 1800s. And from then on, it's, uh, there were revivals in New South Wales, in the gold fields, in White Hills, you know, around that goldfield area where they have all the underground houses. South Australia, Queensland. Revivals were everywhere. 
um, in one of the revivals in New South Wales, I read that um, the, the speaker at the revival, when he was leaving town, because he left on a train, because this is years ago, 20,000 people came to, to see him off at the station. That's how, you know, how the people were responding in that revival. 20,000. <clears> the turn of the century saw the great Welsh and Azusa Street revival take place, but a full 10 years before any of these hap happened, a young Australian minister named John McNeil and five men began praying in Melbourne. Now, five men, okay, began praying in Melbourne. So it doesn't take a great deal. It's just if we will, if we will, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And their land means, the land means um, your family, your, your community, your locality, your region, your state, your nation. It's not just nations, it's all that concerns you if we will humble ourselves and pray. It said, five men began praying in Melbourne for the Holy Spirit to move. Now, see, there's a clue on how to pray. Sometimes we pray just for our own church. But if we prayed for the Holy Spirit to move, some writers believe that these were the initial prayer meetings that ushered in the late great revivals around the world. Within 10 years, that prayer meeting had grown to 40,000 intercessors right across Australia and revival came. Now it's prophesied, Smith Wigglesworth, I think it was, prophesied that the great revival for end times will come from Australia. Now I'm not surprised about that. I'm looking forward to it. Thousands and thousands of people attended meetings and came to know Jesus. Now in the 19... 50s, late 50s, Billy Graham came to Australia. I was there. <laughs> and it said, I've got the date here, September the 21st, 1958, 4,000 people attended an all-night prayer meeting all around Melbourne and Sydney, praying for these crusades. Isn't that amazing? The first night in Melbourne, they had 10,000 people packed into the venue while 5,000 people stood outside in the rain. They had to move the venues. Finally, they packed the MCG, and this is the one I was at, with 143,750 people, a record that remains unbroken to this day, according to the book. Came to hear the word of God, and I was there, and it was packed. I was only a kid at school, not that old. <laughs> um, I am old. Um, and when he gave the altar call, just people just, we were up high, and people just streamed down, they just streamed down to the, onto the oval, the centre of the MCG. Amazing, amazing. And that sowed faith into so many hearts. Every revival started with people committing themselves to pray. Every revival. Now, I'm just going to read one more thing and then I'm going to get on to what my point is actually in, to sow vision into us. Okay. 
just going to read a quote from the book Bright and Shining Revival in the Hebrides Revival, which was 1948 to 52. This book's by Cathy Walters. In the Hebride Islands, the little islands off Scotland, there was an amazing revival. We know there was a Welsh revival too before that, when all the pubs were closed because God's presence just came. And in this Hebrides revival, people were just walking along the streets and they would just fall on their knees because of the presence of God. There was one time an, an account of someone running into the police station and saying, there's all these people outside on their knees and there were 600 people on their knees just weeping before God. See, when God moves, amazing things happen. Supernatural things happen. Um, absolutely amazing things happen. Don't you want to see that today? You know, we're seeing, we're seeing so much lawlessness in our country at the moment. It's actually a spirit of lawlessness sweeping across our land. So if it's a spirit of lawlessness, the Holy Spirit, the people of God, need to move in the Holy Spirit to counteract that. Because as much as our politicians, our police force, our, our leaders will do their very best, they can't stop that. It's us, the church, who have to take our place to raise up, rise up in prayer to stop that because it's a spirit of lawlessness. All these breaking-ins in Melbourne, you know, home invasions, these road rages, things. All that we've had murders in Wangaratta, two murders in, in the last month in Wangaratta. It's a spirit of lawlessness. So we need to recognise that. So I want to read you this piece from the New Hebrides Revival. Every revival that has broken upon the face of the earth has been preceded by men and women upon their knees, prevailing before God, undetermined by cold and discomfort, undetermined when there there appeared to be no answer, undetermined by the fact that no one else seemed concerned about revival and the world was as godless as ever. They travailed and prayed. And they prayed in, in a barn. So it says here, they are kneeling in the straw of... And upon their faces in agony of soul, they cried before the throne. No half-hearted, sentimental, religious, half-doubting prayers to which the church is accustomed today and which accomplishes so little. These men and women wrestled with God, drawing into the spiritual conflict every power and energy they possess. The men who had covenanted to stand for revival prayed. They stormed the throne of God. God imparted to them a burning passion for the lost. Confidence in God gripped every word that fell upon, from their lips. What depths of reaching out to God. They prayed until God answered. They didn't give up. They prayed until God answered. And the reason they did that was because they, they took a, as covenant God's word that said, if my people who are called by na- my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. There's a clue. It's seek my face then I w- and turn from their wicked ways. Well, we know our sins are forgiven, but unbelief and doubt and lethargy is that which we have to turn from, isn't it? Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and will heal their land. See, Can you pray with that sort of a passion? 
I think we all need to be revived. We need the Holy Spirit to revive us, don't we? To bring that passion back into us so that we will pray instead of listening to the news and thinking, oh, isn't that terrible? What's, where are we going, going to? You know, what's the nation coming to? We need to rise up and say, we're not accepting this. We will pray until God answers because the spirit of lawlessness is not as big as the spirit of God. Satan is defeated foe. God will heal his people in the land by again pouring out the rain, the rain of the Holy Spirit. And that means physical favour and blessing in our lives, families and our communities and our nation. And the Holy Spirit brings spiritual awakening to revive us to that passion that we need to pray. In Psalm 8, now I'm going to share a little bit what the vision God's been giving me for us. Psalm 8. Because we know there's revival coming. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise or strength in another translation. Because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? You have made him a little lower. Some translations say the angels, but it's actually the word is Elohim in plural, which means God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're made in his image. And crowned him with glory and honour. Now, this is what I want to focus on. We have been crowned with glory and honour. Crowned with glory and honour. I want you to just put that thought in your mind. Because not only do we have eternal life, not only do we have forgiveness of sins, not only do we have the Holy Spirit living inside us, which gives us power over the enemy, but we have been crowned with glory and honour. When you think of yourself, I'm just a little weed or something like that, no, I am crowned with the glory of God. The glory of God is within me. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. This is for man. Everything is under our feet. All flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Isn't he a marvellous God to do that for us? We have been crowned. And this is what I felt God was showing me. That as the Holy Spirit moves, as he is moving now and will move in a greater way, this move is going to be a move of the glory of God. The Bible says that the glory of the former house, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And we know that when Solomon's temple was dedicated to the Lord, the glory of God came and filled the temple. But God is not interested in temple in a house made of human hands. We are the temple of the God, of God. We are the temple of God. The glory of the latter house, the glory that's going to shine in you and me, will be greater than that glory that was in the temple, in the Old Testament. 
And this is what God is doing now. I want to read... Um, oh, Romans 3.23 says... For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory and fall short of the glory of God, but are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So if we try in our own strength to measure up to the glory of God, we fall short because of the weaknesses in us. But we've been justified by his grace. But then it says in Colossians. I'll read this in the scripture rather than because I haven't typed it all out. It's talking about the mystery in the church, the mystery that's been hidden through the ages. Through the ages. And it's speaking about the mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Do you want to know what the mystery is? It's a mystery. We've got to find out. What is it? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because you have had a deposit of glory put in you. And so that glory has got to be revealed. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. That's us. And we're being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We're being changed from glory to glory. So it's for us to release that which is in us. Stop believing the lies of the devil. Stop looking at the natural. But look at the spiritual and say, I've got the glory of God living in me. And I can release that. I can release that. I choose to release the glory of God. And when we're in situations like these people in Manchester were and when things are coming against us, we can choose to go into the way of the flesh or the way of the spirit. And they chose the way of the spirit and they said, we will love and we will not hate. It's a choice. When Matt was saying for communion, when things are coming against you, I choose to praise. I choose to praise. See, it's a choice. I choose to praise. And when we respond in that way, when we respond when, when we can't see an answer and we say, God, you're the God of the impossible, I choose to believe. We're releasing the spirit of God in us. We're releasing the glory of God in us. And as we do that and as God pours out his spirit and, and releases us more and more through revelation and being touched by his Holy Spirit, as that happens, our faces shine with the glory of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord is simply his presence and his attributes of character. It's his presence. And this next great revival will be a revival that focuses on his presence, on him, not on us, not what we want him to do for us. But Lord, you are God. God, just fill me with your presence. Let your glory 
So that in the Old Testament, the glory came down, but in the New Testament, the glory has to come up because it's in us and we need to release it. And so we need to be aware of what God is doing in us. And when we go through the hard times, it's a time of opportunity to make that stand and to release that. You know, because I've been thinking about the rain, God said, can you hear the rain? And I I thought, well, sometimes I can smell the rain. You know, when the rain's coming, you can smell. Can you smell the rain? So I researched that. And you know, when the rain comes, the plants from the ground and the rocks from the earth release an oil. They release an oil. And there's a special um, oxygen that's released in the air. And this, these things have a sweet smell. And that's the smell that we smell when we sense when, we have, when the rain is coming. You can really smell the rain. And I just thought the oil, isn't that interesting? It's like the anointing of God. How's the time going? Nearly finished. The anointing of God, we are the people who are called to release the anointing of God preceding the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? What a great opportunity. So the last revival is going to be a revival of the glory of God appearing in his people. That's you and I. So I'm going to finish with this verse in Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1. And that says, and I'm reading it from the Amplified Version, Arise. It says, Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Arise to a new life. Make it, to arise, we have to make a decision to, to arise, don't we? I've, if I'm sitting in the chair, I have to make the decision to stand up. Arise from those things that have been keeping you down. I, you are not going to keep me down anymore. doesn't matter what the circumstances are. I will arise. And then it says, shine, be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and dense darkness all the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen in you. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. turned off. Thank you, Lorraine. What an amazing word. Amazing word. Who feels encouraged? (laughs) I feel so encouraged. And as we all rise, as we all do what we are called to do, I think sometimes we think someone else, oh, someone else. It's like, no, we're all called. Why don't you stand? We're going to finish with a song.